Guys, if we have not had the chance to meet, let me say good morning and welcome. If you are online, thank you so much for being here as well. We are glad that you are a part of this service. We're so happy that you could be with us. Um, if we haven't met, again, as Kurt said earlier, I am the Family Life Pastor. My name is Brian White. I promise I am not some random Sasquatch that they just let come and speak today. Um, you guys will notice that Kurt is the GQ pastor, the lead pastor here, far better looking than me, pretty as a gift, and he has a lot of it, right? Like, so we are just super, super excited that you guys are here, and Kurt has actually given me the opportunity to speak this morning. Um, Kurt spoke last week a little bit about love, you know, and what it means, right? And so before I can start to share with you my heart and who I, or what, what's on my mind and what God has placed on my mind, I feel like I need to let you know who I am and just kind of introduce myself a little bit more so that you get to know me. Um, so who am I? My name is Brian, again, as I've said. I have been married to my wife, Ashley, for almost 15 years now. Um, we will celebrate, yeah, that's huge. Um, I hope you're clapping for her because really she's the one that's put up with me. But we got married on uh, July 7th of 2007. Yes, that was on purpose. I will never, ever forget um, it also happens to be eight days prior to her birthday, which is even better for me um, because I can just knock two gifts out really quick and we don't have to worry about it, right? I have four kiddos. Uh, I have Tilly, who is 12, Grant, who is 10, Judah, who is 7, and Finley, who is 5. Uh, we do not sleep often. And um, our calendar is basically taken over by their activities, so we never get to do anything for ourselves, right, babe? Yeah, it's good. Um, I am a Pearland graduate. I actually grew up here. I moved to Pearland when I was 12 years old. I graduated in 02, so that's going to date me for those of you guys that, uh, that know kind of any math whatsoever. 02 was my graduation. We just celebrated our 20-year anniversary. I feel a lot older today than I've ever felt in my entire life. Um, but I'm also a part-time pastor here, so this is my part-time job, and I think I'm fairly mediocre at it. Um, but in my full-time position, I'm a vice president of business development and marketing for a healthcare revenue management company, um, which is, it, it sounds way cooler than it really is, right? So basically what I get to do is marketing and business development. Um, I'm not that great, I promise. But that's what I get to do every day for my regular job. So when Kurt spoke last week, we are talking about Jesus over everything. And that's a huge deal. I think that when we say that, sometimes that gets lost in translation, that Jesus can legitimately be over everything. And Kurt talked a lot last week about love. He even wore his You Are Loved shirt to just drive that point home. And then this week he said, hey, Brian, can you come and talk on faith over fear? And I went, Awesome. Thank you for giving me the one thing that no one wants to discuss, right? Like, we do not love talking about what we are afraid of. You know, and the enemy knows when to grab you and when to try to select what it is that you're most anxious about. And so this week, as I'm sitting and preparing a message to talk about how my faith is stronger than my fear, in the back of my head, all I can hear is, no one's going to listen to this you're not nearly as effective as you think you are. You've never been a good communicator. Why are you even doing this? No one's going to pay attention. And so I prayed and prayed, and I've talked to Kurt, and I've talked to some of my mentors, and I've said, hey, I just need that strength because the enemy is reaching out wherever he can to try to grab hold of something in me. And what that tells me is, is that today is the perfect day to give this message. 
Because what that means is that he is terrified of what could happen in this place today. And I'm going to tell you guys, I am one of those pastors and one of those speakers who gets a whole lot better when I hear back from you, all right? So if you want this message to be good, talk to me, okay? There we go. I love some come-ons. I love some mm mm-hmm. I love all of it, right? I am just charismatic enough that when I left my last church and came here, I was like, thank God, Kurt, that you have let me take the seatbelt off, and we can just get, we can get funky with it, right? Like that's, I'm excited about that. All right, so here's the thing. When we talk about fear, I think that it is one of those things that's super pervasive in our lives. We don't like to discuss our phobias and our fears and our anxieties and all of those things, and I think that in the vulnerability of what we share, sometimes that helps make our lives so much better and strengthens our faith. And so my hope today is that you hear me tell you, I am not preaching at you. I am not preaching to you. I am preaching with you. My anxiety, my fears, all of those things are still present within my own life. The fact that God has given me a vocation to speak to you as a pastor does not mean that I don't deal with the same problems that you deal with. He's simply given me a page ahead occasionally. This week was no exception. I battled and struggled with this message. But what is fear? Let's go through that first. So fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or a threat. All uplifting words, right? Pain, threat, fear, all of it's so great. Yeah, awful. I hated that part of this. I was like, let me define fear, and then I read it, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You know, and as I studied Over the course of the last few weeks, what I realized is is that there are multiple people who are far smarter than I am who have said that basically within the Bible, there are 365 times where God says, fear not. And then there are a whole host of other people who said, that's wrong, it's 366. And a whole host of other people that said, no, it's more like 145. And a whole host of other people that are like, actually, it's closer to 500. So we have now actually become afraid that we're going to get the number of times that fear not has been spoken in the Bible, right? We are afraid we're going to get it wrong. And here's the best part about this, guys, is that it doesn't matter whether or not it was 365, 144, 500, or whatever. If God said it once, then it's worth hearing and bearing, right? If he said it one time, that's more than enough for me. More than enough for me. You know... The other part about this is that I love that God in the way that he speaks to us treats us as children because sometimes we need that, don't we? There are some times when that anxiety and that fear takes over and we just need a comforting voice to say, hey, I've got you. I'm wrapping you up. You're okay. One of my greatest joys with working with our kids is the fact that I get to see them because sometimes the four that I have at home make me want to just reach out and touch them in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so when I get here, I get to see your kiddos because they get excited and they're awesome and everything's wonderful, and then I get to go, fly, fly, and go home. And then you guys take them. But when God talks to us, I want to go to 1 John 4, and we're going to spend some time here, so don't feel like you have to move around too much if you have your Bibles or you have the YouVersion app or whatever the case may be. John or or 1 John 4, 4 is where we're going to be right now. And it says, you are from God, little children. And have overcome them because greater is he who is in you 
than he who is in the world. Hear that again. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Not just he who is in your office, not just he who happens to be a member of your family, not just he who you may encounter day to day, he who is in the world. You have a power within you because of the Holy Spirit that is untouchable by anything else. And how incredible and wonderful is that? You know, I love the way that God speaks to us here, calling us little children, because it's a consistent reminder that we have this consummate Father who is always looking out for us, who is constantly wanting to focus on what is going on in our lives and to take pain away from us and to watch over us and to give mercy and grace. You know, I love doing stories about my kids because there's just so many of them. Um, and I have a deal with them that I have to give them a dollar every time I reference them in a, in a message. Um, so at Emerson, you know, all, all your kids, Kurt, they need to go ahead and tell you to break out the wallet, buddy. But um, my son, and I won't say which one, um, he has a favorite stuffed animal. And it's this teddy bear that my wife got when she was a child. And it is ragged and beaten and worn. But he loves that thing, or loved. He's too old now. Now he's too cool for me anyway. But at one point, that was his favorite thing in the world. So much so that when he went to stay at someone's house, we had these conversations where he would go, do you think they're going to make fun of me if I bring Teddy? And I was like, you know, man, I don't know, maybe. Um, but shoot for it. Let's see what happens, you know? Take Teddy and see what happens. And what I realized is, is that my son and his fears at nighttime, in the dark, whatever the case may be, just having that proximity of that teddy bear close to him is what alleviated all of his concerns and his anxiety. You know, for those of you that are married, you may have something similar, right? Like we've graduated from teddy bears to our spouses, right? So like for me, when I wake up at about two, three every, you know, in the morning, and this happens almost every day, I reach to the right and I can feel my wife's arm, right? And I'm hot by nature, and so my wife is just cold all the time. And so not only is this a comforting thing for me, but I'm like, oh, it's like a built-in little icebox, right? <laughs> and so there's this comfort that I feel because my wife is close to me. And guys, the beautiful thing about that analogy is that this is the exact same way that your relationship with God should work. The closer your proximity is, to God, the closer that your proximity is to his word, the closer that your proximity is to who he is calling you to be, all of a sudden those anxieties and those fears begin to dissipate, right? They start to just go away from you. What I've noticed is that my faith is so much stronger when I'm closer to my Savior. The love that I have for him and the love that he reciprocates to me strengthens my faith in a way that I didn't know was possible. And those fears begin to just corrode. That anxiety begins to just go away. You know, let's go to 1 John 4, 16. It says, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. 
And that's great, right? You're like, yeah, well, we talked about love all last week. But guys, I'm going to tell you right now, that theme doesn't go away. In your faith walk, love is super big, right? Not only are you supposed to love God above all else, but you are supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And some of you, if you're like me at all, you go, I love myself a whole lot. And so you better take that love and push that out to your neighbor, right? But what does that have to do with faith? Here's what I'm going to tell you guys. The love that you have for your Savior and the love that your Savior has for you continues to strengthen your faith. And the outward depiction of that oftentimes looks like the way that you love others. Because when you can love someone else, especially in a time that is difficult or hurtful or hard, they say, I don't know what it is about you, but I'd really like to get some of that. How do you respond the way that you do? How do you have peace the way that you do? It is a love that is transferred from your father down to you that you can push out to someone else. And all of a sudden now faith is the thing that overrides all of those fears and all of those anxieties and all of those worries. What an incredible thing that is. That that's who we get to be, that that's who we get to serve. But what does it mean with fear? Okay, so let's, let's keep going. Let's go 1 John 4, 18. It says, there is no fear in love. What? There is no fear in love. Why? Because if you can cover your heart in the love of the Father, you have no room for fear. There's no room anymore for it. But perfect love drives out fear because fear involves what punishment gross and the one who fears is not perfected in love so what's our takeaway from this it's this fear punishes but love perfects fear punishes but love perfects. And if our Savior is the perfect representation of love in its purest form and has blessed us with the Holy Spirit, then each and every single day is an opportunity for us to practice that love and to continue to push out fear in whatever form it takes for you. And I don't know what that form is for you. You know, this world is a complicated and difficult place. I think that sometimes we're afraid of those who don't look like us, who don't speak like us, who don't act like us. And yet God says, love, because it casts out that fear. It casts out that fear. And so that's great, right? If we just accept Jesus as our Savior, then all of our fear is gone, right? Like that's all we have to do. Wrong. Accepting Jesus as your Savior simply means that you are able to acknowledge that that fear is present and you have the ability to work through faith in order to conquer it. Amen? It doesn't mean that things are going to stop being hard. And so if you're in this place right now and you go, come on, brother, tell me. I'm just too blessed to be stressed. False. You are too blessed, right? But you're going to be stressed, and that's okay. The great thing about that, guys, is that this is a work in progress. We are all works in progress. 
And every opportunity that you have to battle that fear with your faith is another opportunity to strengthen who you are. It is another opportunity to show everyone else the example of what Jesus can do in your life. And that is above all else. That faith, that love conquers the fear that you have. And what an amazing and wonderful thing that is. What a gift to know that regardless of what it is that's going to happen and regardless of the struggle that we have, God has given us the love to conquer that fear. There is hope in that, guys. Hear me say this. There is a hope that you will never, ever understand because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he can love us so much, that he can give us so much grace and so much forgiveness that our faith can conquer those fears. What an incredible message that is. You know, Peter may be one of my all-time most favorite characters in the Bible. And why? Because he was the rock? Nope. Because he was a colossal failure in so many ways, right? Like, I love Peter because Peter constantly messed up, and I go, man, I can relate. Like, this is my dude. So Peter and I are kindred spirits, right? Like, I am constantly messing up, and God is still looking at me and going, oh, you knucklehead, I love you so much. Can you maybe not do that again? (laughs) And I'm like, we'll try, right? I'll give it the old college effort. And God still sees me make these mistakes over and over and over again, and he still wraps me up and says, man, I love you. Like, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. I've numbered every hair on your head. And for some of us, those numbers are slipping day by day, right? But (laughs) he has numbered every hair on your head, and he loves you so much that his expectation is not perfection. His expectation is that you are going to continue to pursue righteousness in all that you do. And that's the goal, guys, is the pursuit the pursuit of righteousness, the pursuit of a stronger faith that will continue to push and cast out fear. And this is who Peter is. This is why Peter is so awesome to me. You know, in the Gospels, Peter has a very clear denial of Christ three separate times, and Jesus actually tells him flat out that this is going to happen. He says, you will deny me three separate times before the rooster crows. And what happens? Peter is approached by someone, and they say, hey, you were with Jesus. And he goes, "Mm mm-mm. And then somebody else comes to Peter and says, you were one with Jesus. And he goes, not me. And the funniest one to me is the small child that comes to Peter and says, wait, you were with Jesus. And he goes, I was not. Right? Like Peter turns into this tiny little kid, and he's like, no. But there's three separate times that he denies Christ. It is an immense failure in the perspective of what we think somebody who was a disciple of Jesus would do, right? And we look at that and go, there is no possible way that I would ever do anything like that. And yet when we get to work and we go out to lunch and in our normal behaviors we would pray before a meal, what do we do? We sit silent. And when someone says to you, hey, can you, can you tell me how it is that you got over all that stuff that you were dealing with in the last two weeks, it's just, well, you know, I just, uh, I prayed about it. Okay, well, where's the reference to who Jesus is in your life? 
Where's the reference to that faith, right, that conquered the fear that you had? And so we're a lot like Peter. And don't let me say this and you hear, Brian is condemning me. False, false. Brian is with you all day, right? Like there are times in my job when I go, this is the furthest place away from my family, my worshiping family. This is the furthest place away from what I want to be and who I want to be. And so sometimes it's harder to just turn that light on a little brighter. But that's the expectation, is that we would find the faith to overcome the fear of looking like someone who doesn't necessarily look like the person that you work with, but that you would be the example and shine the light in a place that's consumed by darkness. So what about Peter? What else about him? Well, let's talk about him a little bit more. We're going to go to John 21, 15 through 17. And this is just after the resurrection. And Peter and the guys are out fishing and failing miserably. And as they're fishing, they see Jesus on the beach. And so he comes over, and Jesus has prepared this meal after they catch fish. And this is right, this is crazy about Jesus. Like, in the midst of all of this, he's still serving. Like, he is still serving his people. He is still serving you in the midst of all of your failure. How incredible and wonderful is that? But it says, now when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. What gets me about this verse is that Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And what Peter failed to see is he had denial one, denial two, denial three. And Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Where in your life are you having denial one, denial two, and denial three? Because here's what I'm telling you right now, is that the Savior of this world is prepared to come back and say, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And he gives us equal parts redemption to our failures. He gives us equal parts faith to our fears. And the value of that, guys, is immeasurable. You know, one of the other things that I love about this verse is that Jesus continues to refer to Peter as Simon. Why? Because Jesus knows that Simon would never behave the same way that Peter would. You know, this to me is equivalent to when your parents were really upset with you and they called you by your middle name, right? So my mom was super Southern and my name never came out Brian, it always came out Brian. 
So I knew when I was super, like, in trouble, my mom would come back and, Brian Crawford, I'm going to tell your ditty. And you did not want my ditty to get involved, right? (laughs) So for me, Jesus saying, Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Is him saying, Peter, I'm going to call you by your middle name because you were in trouble, but I'm going to give you peace after it. Because regardless of what it is that you have managed to mangle and mess up, I love you through it. You were afraid, but you have faith. And all I need for you to do is embrace that faith far more than you embraced that fear. Guys, this is what Jesus is asking us to do. And here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you, never be afraid, right? Because that's fake, and I can't do that with you. I can't be fake with you. There are days that I am afraid. Guys, there are days in the last three to four days when I was terrified. You know, there are times when I've talked with Kurt and we, I got to tell you, I, I, I need to just say this more than anything. I love Kurt Attaway more than most, I'll say. And I think it's because Kurt is this incredible beacon of light in my life, right? Like, if you're anything like me, I'm Eeyore, right? And I'm just dragging my cloud along constantly. And Kurt is my sweet little Care Bear friend that just shines that light on me all the time, right? And so I need that, right? And so I called him and I said, brother, I am just, I am terrified that this is not going to hit, that this is not going to work the way that I want it to. I feel like I've got this this vision of how it's going to go And I just keep getting this, like, feeling of anxiety where the enemy is just telling me, you are worthless. And Kurt, the positivity that this man has is ridiculous. You know, so much so that I was like, there's no way that any human being can be like this. And then we hung out, like, every month, and I was like, this is the only human being who was like this all the time. (laughs) But Kurt just sends back, I know this is going to be great. And I'm praying for you. And I went to bed last night with that text message, and I slept. Simply because I knew my brother loved me. And it gave me faith. And it killed my fear. Because somebody else's love is that powerful in a life. That just sending that love out that's directed and enforced by the Savior of this world is incredible. And here's what I'm going to say as we move into a time of ministry now. I think that there are people in this room, right, that you are consistently dealing with fear. And I don't know what that fear looks like in your life. I have no clue. But you've dealt with it for long enough. And you've held on to it for long enough. And the great thing about this altar and this place is that you can lay every bit of it down. And God says, let me take it because my weight and my yoke is light. He can support it on his shoulders when you no longer can. And so all I'm asking today is that whatever weight that is, that you would release it, and that as we move into a time of prayer, that you would be ready to let it go. And then there are others of you in this room that I think would say, you know what, 
I hear this hope, and I hear this joy, and I hear this love that you're talking about, and what this faith looks like, and I have no clue who this Jesus is. I have no clue what that faith walk looks like, but really, I I sure would love to know more about it. Then come. Come and let us pray for you. Come and let us just talk with you about what that love looks like. So I am going to ask our prayer team to come up right now. If you are a staff member or you are someone who is comfortable with praying with someone else, I would love for you to come up. And we're going to be doing communion in a minute. But before we take that communion, I want to give you the opportunity to make a statement. And here's the thing. I think most pastors in the tradition of where I've grown up, our favorite thing in the world to do is every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And all I need you to do is just raise your hand, brothers and sisters, if you're ready to make a commitment. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I think that sometimes that that posture produces fear. And we're not going to do that today. As I pray, if you feel like you need to make a commitment today to who Jesus is, or if you feel like you just need to re-up, you come down. And I'm going to encourage those of you who already have a faith walk with Jesus Christ to make a statement and a stand today and walk with your brothers and sisters who don't. Because we're a family here. And we're going to make each other feel comfortable. And we're going to express love and faith in a way that doesn't get shown all the time. Amen? Amen. You guys pray with me. Father God, thank you for today. Lord, you are merciful. And you are great. Father, thank you that you love me in spite of myself. Thank you, Father, that you change hearts and lives and that you promote life and love and grace in a world that is filled with anger and hurt and fear. Father, thank you that your love strengthens me so that my faith can show outwardly. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you are doing. And I ask, Father, that you would move in hearts right now. Holy Spirit, come in this place and fill it in a way that we have yet to experience. I pray, Father, that you would move. And then in that movement, Father, that you would make others move. Lord, that they would be prepared to say, I'm done with trying to do it myself, and I am ready for you to take it, Jesus. Please remove it from me. Lord, move in hearts that are skeptical and don't understand what's happening right now, but they know that something is being pulled within them. I pray, Father God, that you would give them strength to stand and to move. Lord, let us operate today and every day from this point forward in faith and not in fear because you give it to us and you make us strong. Father, thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Be with us this week and every week after and give us your strength and not our own. Let us lean on you and not our own understanding. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen.